Chanti Bush, good morning to you. Good morning, Jeff. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Um, you're uh, almost by definition a remarkable woman. You became the Young Australian of the Year at the start of this year in Australia Day because of some dreadful events that occurred in your earlier life. Not one, but two. I'm sure you're a very gifted public speaker, so I'm going to let you rattle through those episodes as you would like to. Sure. Okay. Well, for those um, listeners that wouldn't be aware of my story, I was 21 um, when my 19-year-old sister was stabbed by her partner. Uh, It was unforeseen, unprovoked. Um, She died as a result of her injuries, and that was my first experience of of trauma and death and, and certainly of homicide. Um, and some four months later, over a custody um, dispute concerning her young girl, my father was assaulted, punched just twice in the head, um, and died as a result of his injuries. So, you know, the whole lightning doesn't strike twice, I guess, didn't happen to us. So that's what firstly introduced me to trauma and homicide and the criminal justice system. And from there, I've become involved, um, I guess, as a victim's advocate uh, for people that are bereaved by homicide and just trying to... I guess correct some of the imbalances within the system and looking at community education around, um, particularly around the One Punch Can Kill campaign. Yeah, we've talked about um, One Punch is killing people. We've had ample evidence of it, mm. ample stories of people who've lost the lives of loved ones in, in the most dreadful circumstances. Um, you probably wouldn't say this, but you are seen as a white knight or, mm. or, or you are rather magnetic to people who've gone through these terrible experiences. Tell me about bearing the responsibility that goes with that and the expectation? Look, it was something I never... It's funny because 10 years ago, I would never have picked this path to be on. I was on a completely different journey. It was really happy with my life. Um, and Tell me about John T. Bush as a, as a young, you know, in early before 20s. This, yeah. yeah, look, before this, you know, I was, I guess, normal. I made the joke yesterday that normal, I see normal now as being a cycle on a washing machine and, and nothing else. Um, but I was really happy. I was studying at university, studying human resources, um, was working in a, in a really um, excellent role um, within the HR industry, planning to travel overseas, typical 21-year-old. Mm. So, um yeah, and then obviously overnight, you know, that can all change. And that's what I learned, that you can have the, the, the best laid plans, but sometimes the universe just has something else in store. And look, you talk about remarkable, but to be honest, it's it has been a really interesting few months because to me, um, I was I woke up in a situation and made some really good choices about how to respond to that and, and nothing else. What were those choices and how did you get to them? And I guess it's firstly after the, 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 the terrible death of Jacinta. Yeah. I guess the choice was to be more than a victim. And, you know, I really don't like the word victim. I acknowledge that it is the word that we recognise, particularly within the system. Um, but it as a word is quite disempowering. And I felt that people were, you know, really encouraging me to, to play into that victim mentality and to stop work for a little t- little bit of time and take it easy on yourself and don't take on so much. And mm-hmm. actually, I didn't want to be that. I, I felt... Um, I needed to honour the memory of my of my loved ones by being actively involved, by contributing, by um, trying to highlight some of the experiences that I had. And I appreciate that um, not many people have experience with homicide, and, and fortunately so. Um, so I guess I just felt an obligation that because I could talk about it, and look, it probably took me, you know, five five or more years to really be able to get to a position of strength. It didn't mm. happen overnight. 
Um, but I did feel a real sense of obligation that if I am one of the few that can stand up and can articulate what that experience is like, then I really feel obligated to do so. When was the turn? Was there a turning point? Was it just one comment too many saying, oh, Jonty, you poor, poor thing, how terrible it must be, we feel for you. Uh, did you respond in it with a kind of scream saying, well, I, you know, if I'm going to endure this, I've got to do something positive. Do you remember, was it a specific event? Yeah, look, there was no real lightning bolt in the sky or anything that I, I really thought when I was thrown into this that within 12 months I'd be over it. You know, mm -hmm. We're trying to apply these time frames and we're trying to think, okay, I'll give myself 12 months of, of grieving and then it'll be fine. And look, that doesn't work. Um, it wasn't one thing. It was a continual daily commitment to being greater than that, to be more than a victim to, you know, I say often be my reason, not my excuse. And that really became my mantra for living. Mm. Um, probably the significant turning points were when I realized one day how plugged in I was to, in particular, my dad's perpetrator. In that case, um, we hadn't got a guilty outcome. He, in fact, was found not guilty because of the accident excuse. And I realized how plugged in I was to him. I often would think, gee, I wonder if he thinks about it. You know, does he, when he kisses his children goodnight at night, you know, does he think about what he's done and who he's taken? Um, You're going to a very painful place, yeah. even posing that question. Yeah, well, well, look, it does. And I realised how, how connected I was to this guy and I needed to let it go because it was, it while I was connected to him, I wasn't actually living my purpose. Mm. And, you know, there was an evening where I just said, you know, I won't repeat his name, but um, I'm going to let you go. That's it. I'm overthinking about you. I don't care if you go on and win the lotto tomorrow. I really don't care anymore. And I, I don't. I can sincerely say I really did don't Did you feel care. better? Yeah, I did. I Be did. Because we, yep. I, I remember last year, and it's a very different subject, but... Um, we had a story of, of a, a young man, and I'm going from memory here, mm. a young man who was killed uh, on the roads in the southwest mm. uh, by someone who was driving poorly. And the mother of that young man rang up this program and said, I, I completely forgive the person for doing what they've done. And other people wondered where that strength comes from. Mm. But that certainly that power of, of forgiveness or not continuing to blame that person mm gave that woman an incredible release and an opportunity to move on mm. and, and move on mm. to the next purposeful stage of her life. Yeah. And that sounds very much like you. It does. Look, it's funny in, in, in kind of the victim's world, you know, our dreaded F word is, is forgiveness, you know, and, and, you know, very few people bring it up yeah. for fear of being shot down um, about it. It's tough. Do you I, encourage um, those people I, to consider mm, it or is I it too raw for them? I talk a lot about acceptance. I still think there's a lot of difficulty for people to, to accept forgiveness um, unless they themselves bring it up. But I talk mm. more in terms of an acceptance that it's happened, an acceptance that uh, we can't go backwards and correct that. It is about making the most of this moment and making this moment count and just, I guess, being aware of what we can do, how we can respond to a situation and not being so caught up in the event that it stops us practising to be the person we are now, mm. if that makes sense. While we're focusing on the event of what happened, the actual homicide, our loved one is forever, you know, a murder victim and nothing more. At 12 minutes to 11, you're listening to Jonty Bush, the rather incredible young Australian of the year, talking about the events that changed her life and the role that she is playing in the lives of other people who've been through similar experiences. Jonty, can you tell us uh, what you've been doing in Perth? 
Yeah, look, it's been great. This is my first time um, in Western Australia, so getting around, talking to the Governor. I've met with the Attorney General last night, which is really inspiring. What did you say to him? Look, we just had a really um, candid, lovely chat, which is good because I'm quite a, a candid, informal person, just around the role of a victim's advocate mm -hmm. and the role that we can actually um, bring in strengthening the justice system. I think historically there has been often, um, I'm not sure, I can't comment on WA, but, but certainly um, generally as a nation, there's been this reluctance to work with victims groups sometimes. Mm. And look, I think sometimes we have been our own worst enemies, to be honest. Mm. Can you tell me why? Look, I think often when, when a homicide or, or, or someone experiences a, a violent crime, there is an absolute sense of outrage, of, of anger, of wanting justice mm. and that doesn't happen overnight and so then we start blaming the system and again while we're connected to blaming the system we're not looking at the opportunities mm -hmm. and this is what we talk a lot um, to government about is they often just see the boundaries and the rules and I kind of look for the space in between those boundaries of what we can do and the One Punch Can Kill campaign is a great um, uh, example of how a victims group should be working with government um, we weren't able to get the legislation changed for accident as quickly as one would hope and that's just the nature of the beast. So by highlighting to people that one punch can kill, um, we make it impossible for a defendant to come into court and say, I didn't see it was foreseeable, I didn't think that was going to happen. So we actually work in that space around the laws to create community education so that jurors are aware that one punch can kill. And that happened recently in Queensland. We had our mm. first conviction mm. um, after the perpetrator attempted an accident excuse and the family came outside afterwards and said, this is because of the one punch can kill campaign. Mm. And yet uh, we've had those similar cases mm. in Western Australia and a lot of grieving, incredibly broken-hearted families. I've asked a lot of people this. I've asked the Chief Justice of Western Australia this. Um, what is it when, when people say we want justice when, when interviewed by the media outside a court after a terrible event? What's your definition of justice or is it a very different thing? Because some people want vengeance mm. and some people want mm. the perpetrators punished. Mm. You want more than those things, it seems. Mm. Look, it's interesting. I often speak with our own um, families when they talk about justice, and I'll say, what specifically is justice to you? Mm -hmm. Because it's different. And that is a very confronting question for someone um, because often we haven't thought about what we want. Um, look, I guess on the far extreme, you have some people that would want an eye for an eye. And, and I have to say, they are very few in my five years with the group, I, I perhaps have met one or two people that have, that have kind of advocated mm. for, for the death penalty. Um, whereas Is that something that over time that people might feel strongly about at the time, but once they get into, say, an organisation like yours, like a homicide victim mm. support group or, or something mm. similar, that that dissipates over time? I think so. I think that's the role of a support group is to get them to look at their reasons for that. I mean, as a group, we value the sanctity of life and you can't argue that for one person and then argue against it for the next. Um, we, it's difficult, look, until we have life sentencing, mm. um, you know, we have to face the fact that these people will be released and it does become about how do we make them a healthier person so that when they're released, um, they're not going to do this to someone else. Um, so that's, I guess, what we try to get them to focus on. And again, in the meantime, I really see, I'm not a criminologist, I'm not an expert in that. I try to focus on getting our guys healthy mm. um, so that they don't spiral out of control as a result of the homicide and then it creates more victims than just 
um, the, the one. So that's our real focus. Look, for a lot of other families, there's this misnomer that victims are all out for revenge and mm. all out for tougher sentencing. And look, a, a lot are, and, and sometimes that's because the sentencing is inadequate, mm. um, not because they're a victim, just because it is inadequate. But look, for a lot of families, they can be very objective about the situation. They can see that there was no intent and, and actually feel um, compassion for the family of, of the offender. At eight minutes to 11, you're listening to Jonty Bush. You thought you were only going to stay for 10 minutes. Well, you're not. Um, we want you right up to the news, Jonty. You are a person of, of great compassion. Has it always been thus? Uh, if we look at the events surrounding the death of your sister, the death of your father, have you had to move through those periods of, of incredible what? Oh, absolutely. Anger. Absolutely. Look, anger. Um, for my sister, it, look, it was funny because they were both two different deaths and I felt very differently for both. Um, we had a father who was our rock in our family. Um, our mother hadn't, had been estranged for some years and he was our rock. Um, so have him die, to have him die in the way he did was, um, I had incredible fury in me. Um, and again, that's why you believe, I've channeled all of that into believing that the system would work. Look, the great thing, it's interesting because sometimes the things you resent the most or you dislike the most are sometimes your greatest saviours. And at the time, I took on custody of my 13-year-old brother. Now, I did that because I wanted to and he wanted to. But at the time, um, you know, that through, I wanted to travel, I wanted to do things for me, that yeah. put my life on hold. And I was angry even at that. But look, that was the greatest thing I did because it grounded me. It gave me somebody else to focus on besides myself. Yeah. It gave me structure. It gave me something to fight for. So that was perhaps But the did you suppress lesson. that anger or were you able no. to express it? Because you, you you'd have to be able to let rip. Look, you? I don't think there's anything wrong with anger. It's no. what you do with it. Mm. You know, the things that I did on a practical level, I took up sport. I did a lot of running. I just ran it out of my system. I ran it out of my system. I would run and I would talk. I would talk to the offender. I would call him names. I just let it all out. Um, because I knew that in my nine to five, I couldn't quite do that. Yeah. So to me, it is about having a balance. I don't agree in suppressing it. I think that's what leads to deep depression. Yes. Um, and But I, I think, you know, it's horses for courses. Not everybody sure. works that way. Some people um, are very silent in their grief, and that's fine too. Yeah, I wonder with you, though, and I, I began by saying how you feel being seen as a bit of a white knight. You are mm. an incredibly... Um, articulate and courageous you. person you you are you provide that unifying voice for people who feel they can't put those words together the mm -hmm. same way um people must want a lot from you too look when i first um received the award i was um very scared for so many reasons first of all i mean you're just so humbled um, often what we do is quite thankless, so it was really out of the blue. But I did know that it came with it, an incredible responsibility that um, I, victims are already under incredible pressure to behave a particular way and to act a certain way. The last thing I wanted to do was to contribute to that and have people think, if I'm not like John T. Bush, I'm not okay. I did mm. what was right for me. That's not right for everybody. And I certainly don't advocate that people follow in my tracks because they feel they should. I'm offering another alternative of how you handle things. What do you do though? And, and I'm offering this as a hypothetical. Yeah, yeah. When a grieving dad who's lost a, a beloved son or daughter says to me, Jonty, uh, says to you, yeah. Jonty, 
you know what it's like. You can talk in a way that no one can. You've got to get us justice. Will you do it? Yeah, you must sure, have lots of people sure. talk to you like that. Yeah, absolutely. That's my every day I do that. Wow. I do what I can do. Absolutely. Look, I, I try to give them the tools of how to advocate for themselves in an appropriate way, in a way that's actually going to make a difference, not just make them feel like it's making a difference, but is actually going to result in an outcome. Um, I attempt to organise meetings between our families and the judiciary or and the attorney general because I really do believe that people in a position of power need to hear from the horse's mouth what's going on. I can articulate my experience and the experience of some others, but I listen to some of our other families and the things they say, I'm hanging off every word thinking, you know, we could bottle that and send that to the attorney and they should be listening to this. Mm. So I don't see my role as being the mouthpiece all the time. It's really about facilitating, getting all the right people in the right room at the right time and um, trying to focus on, well, what when we leave this room, what's the outcome that we want to have together? Two things to finish on. You mentioned that Mm. sometimes it feels thankless. When does it feel thankless? Look... No matter what you do, you're constantly reminded of how far we have to go. There is still um, you know, a lot of sense in Queensland, and, and I accept nationally, um, that victims' views aren't represented enough in court. There's a lot of still imbalance within the um, justice system, and so you're constantly reminded of that. When you watch someone walk out of court not guilty after they've taken someone's life, um, that's a reminder every day of what you've got mm. to do. So, And what you've been through yourself, perhaps? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, absolutely. And what you've been through. And um, But look, I, I'm also, I try not to give myself too much of a hard time. You can, I'd rather do one thing well and get it done right and have it completed and then start on another thing than be seen to be busy mm. and actually don't do anything at all. I'm really not about that pomp. I'm about trying to get an outcome. And let's finish on the moments where you look in the mirror and you think, my God, my family would be bloody proud of me. Oh, you must have some yeah, of those moments. Yeah, every day, every day. Look, I still, I know I'm one of the few people that are blessed to be, um, to, to have a life out of doing something I'm passionate about. And we have a lot of members that would like to be. Oh, true, similar. but you're brought into it by the most bitter circumstances. <laughs> course, We're not yeah. talking about being captain of the Australian cricket oh, team. Oh, no. Yep, yep. But look, I think there's You've a lot of people. You've turned it into an incredible positive. There'd be a lot of victims that, that would love an opportunity to, to speak to the people I've spoken to. So again, it comes with great responsibility. But look, I am very proud. It's taken me a long time to get to a place where I am happy with my lot. I accept what I've got. I'm content with who I am. I'm content with the choices I've made. And um, yeah, look, every day, every day I'm reminded of that. And do you have moments of calmness and where you don't have to think about the, the yeah. considerable responsibilities you wield? I make times of calmness. I make it because you have to have balance. If you don't, I'm not good for anybody if I'm if I'm burnt out. So, yeah, look, all the time I'm trying to make space. I'm still a, a mad soccer fan and soccer player, so I call that my therapy. For 90 minutes a week, I think about nothing but chasing a black and white ball, so that's my therapy. What a delight to have you on the program, Jonty Bush, Young Australian of the Year. I think we better understand why. Thanks so much for coming in. No, thank you so much for having me.